0: up everyone it is the beast Brian London it's Brandon O'Doy it's the Real Ones Canes podcast coming at you on another week of Miami Hurricanes football this week it is the Clemson Tigers coming to Hard Rock Stadium for a prime time affair with the Miami Hurricanes team Brandon that's coming off another difficult loss up at North Carolina they look pretty good they're undefeated but still too many mistakes once again cost the University of Miami Hurricanes
1: yeah, uh a few too many mistakes, some good moments and times and you just get the feeling beast that there was some hangover from the previous game and the Georgia Tech loss uh just kind of seeped in a little bit uh to what
0: happened on the road at North Carolina. You know, I was thinking about that. Did the Georgia Tech loss have a carryover because the University of Miami played decently well in the first half. I mean, there was a turnover on the you know, going into the end zone, but Miami mean, actually had the lead going into halftime. So it wasn't like North Carolina came out and got up to a 35-0, you know, pounding in the first half. So I'm not sure if there was a carryover. Am I wrong there? Well, I, I think, I mean, I think when, you, when it comes to the game,
1: what North Carolina realized is what they saw a few years ago that Miami couldn't stop the run. So at the end of the day, they needed to stop allowing, you know, Miami to tee off on them from a standpoint of these exotic blitzes um, that Lance Gidry was dialing up. And, I mean, he did a great job of, you know, really keeping one of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, on his heels all night um, in the first half. And then when they adjusted to it, Miami just didn't have the answer. And they gave up 21 third quarter points, and that was pretty much the game.
0: Well, North Carolina went to a tempo offense. Miami couldn't keep up with the tempo. Uh, Mario talked about that this week, saying, you know, obviously tempo hurt them. And a lot of that has to do with with depth because, you know, Miami didn't have other players that they could put in at some positions in order to, you know, give a blow to some other guys that were kind of, uh, you know, reeling and winded from North Carolina going tempo. And that's, you know, when they went tempo, you, they Drake May was getting the ball out fast enough that Miami couldn't get to him like they were in the first half. I was concerned, though, with the play of the secondary. I, I think we need to discuss that. The secondary looked, you know, really good the first few games of the year. But even guys like, you know, Cam Kitchens, who's going to be a player on the next level, Guys like Jaden Davis, who is got all the experience in the world, they're just not. It, it feels like something's off in the back four.
1: I, I, I don't know whether, whether it's that or Tez Walker is just so good. I mean, that that, that could be a thing a guy, too. Yeah, I, I think you. I think you alluded to it a couple of days ago. Like, of course, the NCAA makes him eligible two weeks before they played the right. University of Miami. The guy's been like. Sideline, it's been the story of the year, and all of a sudden it gets cleared up right before they take on the University of Miami. I looked at it when the news broke. I was like, man, how convenient is this? I mean, I feel, you know, super fortunate. I'm always going to be kid first. I'm glad the kid gets the chance to play, but I just don't think there was enough tape on him. I don't think we understood how good he truly was. I mean, he like he made Jaden Davis look like a true freshman, and that's hard to do for a guy that experienced. And he was just a a wizard with his route running, precision route running. He's super physical. He's got, you know, the size and speed combination that you need to be an impressionary guy at this level. And 167 receiving yards and an impressionable third quarter later. I mean, what more can you say? It made a a Miami defensive backfield look about as JV for a quarter as you could possibly look. This is the same backfield that when there was no tempo and, you know, before the coaching, you know, alteration had been made, that, you know, they were shutting this offense down. And so it's a situation where I think Miami just got out outcoached. Uh, TV didn't play great, but he also didn't play horrible. You know what I mean? He, he gave you the opportunity to stay in this game. And as critical as I've been of Tyler, you know, you got to give your props where props are due. You know, this was outcoached. And it started with, I think you alluded to this. It started with some of the unsettlement of of, of Guidry and, and getting a, a penalty, which you just cannot get. Uh, Keoncha Smith, a penalty you just cannot get. And it's just like there just needs to be just a hold on to the rope type of mentality for the University of Miami at this point, because that was a winnable game. You're not expecting to be an underdog. Go to the lead. Go to the go to the clubhouse. Uh, with a lead and come out and play so poorly in the third quarter. Like that is an embarrassment, uh, you know, from the standpoint of what went so wrong that you can get skunked 21 nothing in the third quarter to basically put the game out of reach. And then the game, you yeah, know, yeah, the overall game is only a 10 point win. But at the end of the day, it felt like so much more because of what happened in that
0: third quarter. It, listen, no team can overcome. All the turnovers, right? But this team is certainly not good enough to overcome mistakes and turnovers. And that's what happened. Uh, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, again, threw the ball away to the other team. We had fumbles, uh, bad penalties, the Lance Gidry thing. I mean, he, the way he explained it is, he simply didn't see the referee uh, getting in the middle of of the trenches and stopping things so that Miami could substitute after North Carolina substituted. So he was upset at that. But then as he looked at the film, he's like, Oh, well, there he was. I was wrong. He was right. My mistake. Yeah. You got to
1: radio your head coach. I mean, you, yeah. 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 This is not his first year as a a coordinator. You know what I mean? These are mistakes that you just cannot make. I mean, so now you got Giddu making a mistake like this this past week. Dawson, I I guess we're hanging the 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 no uh Neil on Dawson, right? He admitted to it. He you know hasn't done it like there, sure. there's got to be some Sure, we'll go, we'll go with that. Okay, but my point is there needs to be just a recalibration here. Hey guys, look. The games are hard enough to win outright. We don't need additional things that we can absolutely control. Like I can see from my my living room that the referee was right there, allowing Miami to sub. Like, why can't you see it? And more importantly, and this goes back to last to the week before, why isn't the guy upstairs telling you, Coach? He's right there. Like, what's the communication like between yeah, no, the press I... box? And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing I don't understand. Like, you got the headsets on. Like, use them to communicate. You know what I mean? That's what they're for.
0: I I can't believe you used recalibration. I can't believe you pulled a Mario quote. Um, uh. Oh, wow! Well, I wasn't
1: doing that. I say recalibration all the time. I mean, you know, you know what's so tough about all this? Coach Cristobal is such a likable guy. He's such a genuine dude. He so wants to win
0: here. 1000%.
1: And then he does I mean just things happen it's just like ugh, it just feels so out goldenish. It just
0: it it oh, just no. feels Oh no it, you didn't.
1: I, listen man, you know me by now. I listen, I speak my mind. You know what I mean? Like it at times it feels I mean recruiting is completely different. But right. I mean I don't think you can compare that because you know, Golden was working with like negative five or negative 10 scholarships. I've talked to um, Paul Williams years after he left Miami as the DB coach under those Golden years. And he was he was telling me something that I, I can't quote him because I didn't write it down. But he gave me the impression that they were down so many scholarships. I was like, coach, how did you feel the team? You know what I mean? Like it just he's like, yeah, people don't know. We didn't really talk about it. And I was like, yeah, you guys are pretty nice to. To kind of let that slide because you took a yeah. lot of heat. Uh, you know, but you have you have to one thing I will say about the golden era, not to take change the subject, but a lot of those guys are still in the league. Oh no, they did listen, something
0: right. For sure. I you know, listen, there was we can go up and down the head coaches that we've had uh over the last twenty years and and start breaking down their pluses and minuses. Let's not do that. I think. I think. Listen. I think Mario is. In
1: those reports, give me your rating. Out. Leave Mario out of it. Give me your rating for the past Miami coaches from top to bottom, from from Golden to now.
0: From Golden till now, or do you want to go before that? Uh, There's no need to go. You
1: know, there's no need to go back to guys who won Natties. So, okay,
0: throw Shannon in
1: there if you want to.
0: I mean, I would go Mark Richt. I'd go Mark Richt. I would go uh Mark Richt. Wow. It's a it's a tie between Al Golden and uh Manny Diaz and then Randy Shannon um probably at the bottom. But that's 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 like it's hard to do. It's like Mark Richt and everybody else. Right? Mark Richt was he a head coach one before. for me who
1: I think I think Gold has been don't know Mario yet cuz he's still the coach I think Gold is number 1 past 20 years
0: all right we might have to do a whole separate episode on that, <laughs> on, on what you just an said that's
1: off season show but i yeah, no, uh, yeah
0: yeah yeah we'll, we'll save that for the off season uh which we just got confirmed oh. by the believe network that they want us Doing episodes in the off season probably include some basketball. Speaking of the Believe Network, we appreciate them. Uh, you can, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, uh, you can see the uh, the new design of our of our feed. It looks great. We appreciate all the support they've given us. Um, but please go wherever you get your podcast and download the show, subscribe, like, you know, smash that subscribe button, as they say. Um, hit up the YouTube channel. Uh, Real Ones Canes podcast. We always post clips up on on there as well. We'll have a lot to talk about as far as Miami and Clemson. And we will do that with a Clemson insider right after this. Stay tuned. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast Brian London alongside Brandon O'Doy. We have to cover Miami and Clemson primetime. Hard Rock Stadium and we want to get a little Clemson perspective. Get someone with a little knowledge about the Clemson Tigers. We go out to Corey Fravel. He covers the Clemson Tigers for 247. You can follow him on X at C Fravel 247. Corey, thanks for joining us, man.
2: Yep, glad to be here. Appreciate you having me on.
0: So, give us the state of the Clemson Tigers right now as they come down and take on a reeling Miami Hurricanes team that's coming off of two losses.
2: Um, you know, they started the year off a little rough with the uh, Duke game, a lot of turnovers. Um, offense was a little slow that night. Um, that that was a kind of a bad loss, uh Florida State game. You know, especially with the team they have this year, I don't think anybody uh is going to get too upset if you go down and get into an overtime game and lose. Sometimes you win those, sometimes you lose those. Um, I think the team's young this year, um, a lot more than some people might want to say. So they're kind of learning on the job. And the defense is definitely the strength of this year's team for sure. Um, we got a new quarterback and a new offensive coordinator.
0: So take us take us to the press conference that happened earlier this week where Dabo kind of took some shots at – the bandwagon fan base and said, maybe we should lose some more games. And I don't know what was going on there. I, I, I read the quotes and had to double check to make sure that the, I wasn't being played by a fake X account or something.
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, he has this tiger calls every week on Monday. Um, you know, every, everybody's got their coaches show or whatever. And uh, you know, someone had called in about, you know, the, Uh, expectations for the year and whatnot and mentioned, you know, sometimes about the bandwagon getting a little too full. And and he was the next day, you know, we had his weekly press conference and got asked again. And, you know, he, his point of it was, you know, you know, I love our fans. The 98.5% are amazing quote, you know, and he said, you know, sometimes adversity is not a bad thing you know, helps, uh, helps grow, helps you grow and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he said he was kind of trying to cheer the guy up or whatever. And he said, you know, sometimes you got, you know, the one, the 1% negative people kind of on the bandwagon or whatever. Um, I think he, uh, I don't think it was as much a shot as like the, you know, just kind of a, a comment type of thing, but you know, those type of comments definitely do, Pull, po- you know, get polarizing and then pe- get people talking. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely, Corey. And uh, we talked a lot over the years between Miami, the differences in Miami, Clemson. Both these teams are four and two coming into this game, but they're completely different four and twos. You know, Clemson's mm-hmm. a place where they they look at ACC championship as pretty much a rite of passage, uh, getting mm-hmm. there and, and potentially winning it. Uh, Miami just wants to get there. You know, under Mario Cristobal in year two, what what do you see? Because uh, this is such a diverse year for Clemson. It's so different from any year that they've had. Already at two losses, and and really, I would, I don't know if you would agree. The the meat of this schedule is just to come. I think they still need a signature win, and yeah. Miami will be probably the best team if they win this game. Miami will be the best team they've beaten so far this year.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, two things. I think, number one, uh, where we are in college football, you know, you if you watch the games, the, you're not seeing as many blowouts as we normally do. And the, the, there's a lot more parity, you know. I think teams stockpiled their rosters and, you know, with the advent of the portal – you know, a lot of teams are good. Anybody can beat you, and you see that every week. You know, there there's a lot of good teams out there, so there's a lot closer games. You know, I th- I think uh, you know Clemson's had the standard to try to get to the ACC championship. They started off a little, you know, definitely a little rough, and uh, you know they've got some growing pains they've had on on offense. I think uh, honestly, if you could probably mix Clemson, Miami, Florida State. North Carolina, you know, Louisville in a blender and probably all could beat each other on a given night this year particularly, you know, and you look around the rosters, there are a lot of portal guys and there's a lot of talent on all of those rosters, you know. So it, it's a, it's definitely a, it's not your normal year, that's for sure.
0: Corey, let's talk about uh, watching the Miami Coaches press conferences uh, earlier this week. Uh, Shannon Dawson, Miami's offensive coordinator, just could not stop talking about Jeremiah Trotter Jr. You know, everyone knows that name. Everyone knows his dad, but he is really having an outstanding season for Clemson. What is he? What has he brought to this defense?
2: You know, the, uh, Trotter is a, uh, a a grounded level kid. knows how to get the get the guys adjusted, and if the play needs to be adjusted, get them in the right formations. He's kind of like the quarterback of the defense, you know. And I think his personality lends to that and you know he's obviously like you mentioned his dad he's been groomed f- for that role his whole life so he understands the game he understands what the what you know coach goodwin wants him to do so it, it they've got a couple good linebackers that uh kind of the the meat of the defense as far as getting them in the position they need to be
0: and on the other side of the football obviously everyone knows about club nick and and Shipley, who, who else on that Clemson offense is Miami going to have to to kind of keep their eye on on Saturday night?
2: You know, uh, uh, Antonio Williams went down um, two, three weeks ago. He hasn't played, I think, the last two games. Tyler Brown, he even played the first game of the year. Uh, number six uh, slot guy, he's uh, he's going to be a really good player. Um, I think that's somebody, and you guys are probably f- familiar with Troy Stilato, He's kind of – you know, Brandon and I have talked about it. He's kind of like been in the closet and everybody's forgot about him. But now all of a sudden he's healthy and playing and you're starting to see glimpses of what, you know, we all thought he could do, you know, from high school. Um, those guys. But I think, you know, the the real – the guys on the offense, you got to watch those are those. And, Kate, you know, Kate is – you know, I think he's second in the nation of most throws without an interception, you know, I think – he's starting to get a lot more comfortable with coach Riley and, you know, he's given him bits and pieces. I don't think you've seen him turn loose the offense he had at TCU yet. So, you know, that that's, that's probably the strength and probably the guy that nobody talks about enough is Phil Maffa. The, you know, Clemson's got running backs like one, a one B Maffa is the, you know, if you look at any of the analytics, he's usually the higher rated guy. He's a, He's definitely a load to bring down. Bigger guy like a Najee Harris type.
1: I want to know from your perspective, Corey, how is Clemson perceiving the University of Miami going into this game? I know what we think about them. But what's the outside perception? Obviously, we all know what happened against Georgia Tech that went all over college football. But is is it the perception that this is a decent team, a good team? a talented team. What, what is Clemson sort of preparing to get themselves into this weekend?
2: You know, I think, uh, from what we've heard from the players last two days and in interviews is, it's kind of echoed what Dabo said about, you know, we can probably beat anybody in the nation, but we can also lose to anybody in the nation. I think the players have all been very complimentary of how, how much team speed Miami has, you know, obviously their offense has been really good and they got some dudes on defense and uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the players, it's been a kind of like a comparison thing. It's a mirror type of matchup, you know, I think uh, you're probably going to see a lot of defensive plays Saturday. And I, I think, uh, I think Clemson's expecting a, you know, a a fight when they go down there, it's going to be a good game.
0: Boy, we'll get you out of here on this one. This is a must-win game for both teams.
2: Yeah, I think so. Just for momentum, I think it is. For you know, I think you, you know, you you got a Clemson needs a signature win. Miami needs to get you know the the wagon going the other way. You know, it's uh, it's dog eat dog this year in uh, college football. Um, so you know, it, it. I definitely think it's a must-win. I I think. Um, I think Saturday is going to be a very competitive game, a, a very defensive game. Um, you know, not to be cliche, but neither team is really good in turnover margin. Um, I think that if you were going to look at one thing Saturday, it's probably to get that that win that both teams need. It's going to be the turnover margin.
0: Corey Fravel from 247 covers the Clemson Tigers. You can follow him on X at cfravel247. Corey, thanks so much for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it.
2: Appreciate you guys.
0: Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's Miami and Clemson. Brandon and I will give some predictions, or at least we'll try to. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. The Beast Brian London, Brandon O'Doy, Corey Fravel covering the Clemson Tigers for 247. Does a great job. Really knowledgeable, Brandon. Another great guest to get on the Real Ones Canes podcast. And I'm concerned about this game, man. Clemson, they've lost two games, but they are as talented as, as really anyone. Huh? Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. Should I not be, or am I understating that? No, I
1: mean, this was, I mean, prior to this season, this is going to be one of the games that, you know, Miami probably, most Rational fans probably had Miami losing. So, I mean, to be concerned about this game, you know, that's fair. But it's like, there's nothing that's really changed. It's just Miami sort of got people in a place where maybe they had kind of taken steps as a program that, we're not sure they've really taken now. You know what I mean? And you go into UNC with a lead, you can't hang on to it. You get outclassed in the third quarter the week before you do something that's probably never been done in college football history. And and, and, and then now we're just kind of like, okay, now we're in the tough part of our schedule where, okay, we got Clemson at home at night, you know, um, and then we got you know on the road at FSU, on the road at NC State. Who looks decent? Louisville's having a year like no other. Like it's just there aren't a lot of good fields to have right now. And and you're like, oh yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm like, of course you're not so sure. No one's sure.
0: <laughs> but know? I will, I will, I will say this. Other than Florida State, and th- throw that throw that one out because it's a rivalry game, and you never know it's what's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. Right. Other than that game, there's no reason why Miami can't beat any of the other teams left on their schedule. On the other hand, there's no reason why Miami can't lose to any of the other teams left on their schedule. And
1: that's the biggest problem I have, Beast. I mean, at some point, this program has got to advance beyond being a 50-50 coin flip type of program. Right. There ought to be games. I mean, I just listen to other fan bases. I listen to you know, some college football podcasts, including ours. And, 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 and you know, I'm just a, a fan of the sport. There are fan bases that go into even tough games. And just based on where they're played, like we're at home, we're playing a tough opponent, yes, but our expectation is to win because we're going to put more emphasis on the potential for us to be 50-50 in a game that we have to travel to. We're at home. It's at night. We're just as good as they are. We sh- we should win this game. And we're not talking like that. That's problematic. That's endemic of a 20-year malaise that you and I have now become comfortable with to the point where you're saying, and it didn't even draw a response, I'm concerned about this game. Shoot, yeah, everybody's concerned. Everybody wearing green orange is concerned about this game because the question has become, have the wheels falling off. In That's why you don't give up a game you can win. Because if you go on the road, have a decent performance against UNC, you're 5-1, scratching at a bowl game, and then you come home and you're playing with house money against Clemson at night. The game's not on ACC Network. You got a mobilized fan base. There was a good crowd there for Georgia Tech. That was a pretty good crowd for uh, a just run of the mill ACC game at night. And Miami fans show up at night when the team is good. I've been saying that all podcast history long. But now, what are you going to get? And you actually need the fan base this weekend. But I'm just not sure who's going to be there. Yeah. I well, mean, maybe people I'm... locked in, you know, because Clemson's a, a pretty big opponent. But I mean, uh, do we expect a
0: crowd at home this weekend? Miami's been sending out ticket emails all week. I get all of their ticket emails. They're pushing every ticket they possibly can. The problem I see, though, is their pricing's high. The, the emails they sent out is, hey, you can sit in these great seats for 150 a pop, or you can sit in the club section for 250 a pop. That's not the issue, man. They need to be selling those upper deck seats for 20 bucks a pop and just getting as many people in the stadium as possible. I don't know if, if their uh, ticket strategy is... Is the best right now to get people in the seats. But you, you know where
1: we, we you know where we messed up? We were supposed to talk to Corey about Dan Redkovich. He knows Dan very well. We 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 and that's on me. Um because you know, we would have been able to understand and get into the mind of how he is managing this program. And the next time we have Corey on maybe we can bring him on in the offseason, but um I'll just say this. If if it's an atmosphere, if they if, if it's at least what it was at Georgia Tech, I like Miami's chances better because an atmosphere can help this team. They seem to thrive off of, you know, the energy of the crowd. And one thing's for sure, they won't be wearing any black jerseys. So um, you know, no um nothing to kind of not that I believe in jinxes, but nothing to kind of jinx this situation uh for this weekend.
0: Brandon, it's all well and good if it's a packed stadium and Miami feeds off that and there's no doubt about it. But guess what? That None of that matters if you turn the ball over and you make mistakes. And that's what Miami has done the last couple of weeks. They need to well, they just need to stop. No more fumbles and no more interceptions.
1: Here's the deal. The Tyler's going to make mistakes. That's the kind of quarterback he is. The question is, can you survive him? And I think... If you go back to when Miami was elite the year they were 10-0, going into pit, they created turnovers. Somebody on this defense, I mean, they're playing well, so it's it's kind of hard to be critical of these guys. You know, they had a you know a rough game last week. I'll give them that. But, you know, as banged up as they've been, right? Played a couple games without kitchens, no mezzador, you know what I mean? They've got some limitations in some areas, they play really, really good football. But one thing that I can say, got to force more turnovers, got to force more explosive plays, got to intercept the ball more. You got to do the things that help you win games and help bail out guys that are not playing at elite levels or the levels that you need them to play. Because at some point, your best players have to play the best. Like James Williams is having a much improved season, but we need him to be even better than he is. Cam Kitchens, you're an all American. Like, yeah, you're coming back off of injury, but we need you to be Superman. Like we need the guys who are supposed to be dudes to be dudes.
0: Yeah. Totally have not caused enough turnovers. Haven't gotten the ball back. And on the other side, you've created too many turnovers. Uh, you listen, to say I'm concerned about this game is obviously an understatement, but uh, Klubnik has only thrown two interceptions on the year. He's missed his receivers a couple of times, um, but when he does connect uh, or when he does get close, he gets it to his guy and doesn't throw it away to the other team. And they's all, they've also got two really good running backs, as Corey talked about. And last week, especially in that third quarter, Miami was really hurt by the run. We've seen Miami hurt by the run before. They just can't. in the can't. tough. Yeah, so they they just got to stop the run. They got to figure out a way to stop the run.
1: Yeah, no, nah, it, it, that's that's always been an issue uh, for this program in the past several years. Um, and so, one thing you can do when you know a team's going to come out, somebody just has to say, you know what, we're not going to allow it to happen. Somebody's just got to say, we're going to be more physical than the other team up front, and, and you know, we're just not going to allow that to happen. The the other thing I want to point out is to For the past two seasons, you know, Corey Gaynor, who used to be a Miami Hurricane and feels very jilted by what happened to him while he was here, was motivated. And he was the heartbeat of the North Carolina offensive line. That that needs to be said. I'm not saying that that's the reason they won, but that young man, I talked to him personally, he had something in his system. Regarding the University of Miami, and he played like it, no doubt. If that rubbed off on his teammates. You know, you can't manufacture that stuff, and that's why you got to be careful how you treat kids because they can go somewhere in conference. Because here's the deal: if he wasn't good enough to play at Miami, how is he going to UNC and walks right in as their starter? And, and he's a big part of the reason they won two games.
0: Yeah, I, I listen, man. The portal goes both ways, doesn't it? You, you pick up some great ones, but you might lose some great ones, too. And uh, listen, there's all sorts of uh, emotions and politics that go into that.
1: And you already know how I feel about one young man sitting on the bench. do not want to see him go to Louisville. Well, and run like the, Lamar Jackson the, all the bo- over the University of Miami. That
0: your be. boy JB is due some time because I don't think they're going to play Emory again, because if they do, they burn his red shirt. So, yeah, and that's why I didn't
1: like that strategy, because now then I thought Tyler Van Dyke wasn't going to get up in that game. I didn't like
0: when he got hit. And there's another listen, man. I don't know how much you saw the press conference this week, but and Susan alluded to it when she asked her question. uh, Now, Mario doesn't talk about injuries, despite, you know, he's going to mention the words honesty and transparency in every answer he gives, but he won't talk about injuries. Tyler was walking around the facility with the leg wrap. Now who knows what that was. It could have been, you know, field burn who like, I'm not going to read into that, but he got absolutely pummeled in that game. The fact that he is walking around and practicing this week is crazy, but you better have someone next up. You better have someone ready because if he's going to get teed off on like that, uh, it, it's going to be a rough day.
1: It's going to be a very rough day. And, um, The problem is, you're going to be throwing a kid into a game, and he's had several opportunities to get warm, and you haven't done it. So, I mean, literally, if TBD goes down, I think you have to play him. You cannot stick to court. Like, I mean, I just don't get what we're doing with the backup quarterback situation here. You know what I mean? And, And I'm not, I mean, guys who are smarter than me in football. Are getting paid a ton of money to make those decisions, but allow me to be the first person, the second guess, sort of the rotation. But I will say this in the University of Miami coaching staff's defense. Typically, when we think someone's better and they're not playing and we're going with someone who's clearly banged up, that means they're not as good as we think they are.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong there. All right, Clemson's favored by three or three and a half. So that means that if this were on a neutral field, they'd be favored by six or six and a half. That seems about right. But we will see what happens on on Saturday night. I just want I want Miami to play a clean game. Win or lose, I just want them to play a clean game and not hurt themselves. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. You want to get beat instead of beating yourself. Of course, that's fair.
0: All right. It's Miami and Clemson. Stay tuned. We will have the, uh, the post-game show late from Hard Rock Stadium. It's going to be a good one, I hope. But we will see you uh, Saturday from the stadium. Follow us on all the socials at Brandon underscore Odoi for Brandon, at Miami Radio Beats for myself, at Real Ones Canes for the entire crew and the podcast. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We will check you next time. On Real Ones Canes podcast.